This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Cyber Frontiers show number 31, recorded on August 16th, 2016. Here on Cyber Frontiers, we explore cybersecurity, big data, and technologies that are shaping the future, all from an academic perspective. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AgeGuy.tv studios. Here in beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska, big red sky tonight. What do they say? Red sky at night, sailor's delight, something like that. So we're looking forward to a, a nice evening here. And, of course, we post the show with world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions you'd like to contact us, send us an email, jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Many of you are contacting me that way. I always appreciate it when you do that as well. Uh, find me on Twitter at Jay Collison, the award-winning Twitter account as well. You want to jump out there. Lots of good stuff and I'm tweeting all the time now, so you might want to jump out there if you haven't done it yet. TheAverageGuy.tv is powered by Maple Grove Partners, web hosting, both web hosting and media hosting. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and you trust. That's that guy across the screen from me over there. For more information, visit MapleGrovePartners.com. And now Cyber Frontiers is a part of the Geek Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts. we got some good ones out there, especially if you're into Windows 10 right now. Windows uh, Windows Observer is doing real well. Rich is doing a great job of covering everything that's going on with Windows 10. The, you can find it at thegeeksnetwork.com. Christian, we are on the cusp of you being a senior in college. Where the heck did the last three years go? Welcome I'm back. I'm when you're having fun, you know. Uh, it, no, it's been brutal, and uh, I was trying to think when we got started doing all this stuff, I was a fledgling in high school, so it's... Uh, 15, I think. We just went back before the pre-show and listened to the uh, the December 4th, 2010. That was when we kicked Home Tech off, you, me, Brian, Andrew Morris in yeah. that podcast, I believe, that night, the four of us, I think. Was so we're coming up on year six, yeah. Coming up on six, we a different intro, a different setup, a different way to do it, but uh, we definitely kick things off. If you're interested in listening to that, and it's a little painful, I'm not going to lie, uh, theaverageguy.tv slash HT, because it was home tech in those days, HT001, and you can hear Christian. He actually doesn't sound all that much different. He was probably the one pro on the show. The rest of us were kind of like, That's where we worked all the kinks out. <laughs> So in theory, you're getting premium grade content now, just at the same price tag of free. So you know. six, uh, almost six years of podcasting uh, under our belt to get it done. All right, you are freshly back from Las Vegas and from DefCon, and we wanted to get a podcast in with you uh, tonight to kind of talk a little bit, give a little summary of it. So you, uh, a group of guys that you have told yourselves for the last couple of years, you're all right. You're going to do this, uh, go out and get this trip done, and uh, you got it done. Uh, go, go ahead and start us on it. Yeah, we finally got it done. It's uh, we we first talked about doing it three years ago when we all kind of met, and it was one of those things where DefCon was the cool, sexy thing that everyone who is in the cybersecurity community uh, goes out and does at least once. One of the guys who I went with spoke at the DefCon conference as a speaker three years ago. He was the gentleman who disclosed a vulnerability in the way all your media streaming services work where he wrote a, a add-in for Chrome that basically, you know, if you're using Spotify or whatever your, you know, streaming music is of choice, he wrote a Chrome plugin that can rip the entire library from that streaming service and download you clean, free, zesty-looking MP3s. Of course, it took him three years of research just to figure out how to 
make this work. It was all original research. And um, when he finally discovered the vulnerability and properly disclosed it, he obviously went through all the proper reporting channels with DCMA and the whole nine yards to uh, do that in a legal fashion. But, I mean, these are the kinds of um, kind of glorious, uh, I call them troll adventures, in which, you know, one goes looking to uh, troll other organizations or do systemic uh, hacking or MacGyverism or hackerspace, make it, break it. I mean, it's a real eccentric group of folks who come out to DEF CON. Um, there was probably somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 people at DEF CON this year. Pretty much encompasses all the kind of eccentric folk that make up the hacking community in the United States and abroad. Um, and so it's a really interesting time. Uh, and so he had been there. None of us uh, had been there before as participants. So really exciting uh, for us to just actually go out and have fun and do all that. Um, the talks this year were really all over the place. Um, some were really great, some were really bad, some are in the middle. So the show is really just kind of to highlight some of the stuff that was fun and interesting. Um, as a general comment, I was pleased to see that a good number of the topics in the conference were very reminiscent of topics that we've discussed on this show before. So I felt like Cyber Frontiers in strange ways was getting a lot of nice touch points to what this community cared about, which was good to see. Um, so we're just going to talk about it and go through some of it. I don't really have a particular agenda of, you know, here are the things I want you to take away learning after this show. It's more for folks who weren't able to get out to the conference or maybe who did and missed some of the talks just to kind of hear what some of the talks were and get a sense for uh, what DEF CON 2016 was like. I'm curious if any of you have actually... Uh, gone out to the conference this year or maybe Black Hat. So if you have and you want to leave me some feedback about what you liked, what you didn't like, email me, uh, Christian at TheAverageGuy.tv. I'm just curious to see if uh, any of our listeners go to these kinds of presentations, if it's something that is new space. I'm not really sure. So help, help me to help you and know what you guys are doing uh, in this space. Um, but all right, we're going to jump into it. Um, I'm going to drop the link in the chat here. This is the listing of, I believe it's all the presentations. It could be wrong. It should be most of them. These are all the like PDF exports of PDFs that were used during the talks and the presentations. And so um, this is a really great uh, snapshot way to get at all of the presentations that were done. So if you weren't there and you haven't found the videos yet, then go check this out. Uh, actually, if you go to media.defcon.org, you can get all of the DEFCON presentations since the very first DEFCON conference. Um, and so you can see all the files and uh, extras that they throw in there. A lot of these presentations have like code examples that are brought with them or other things. So you might use the media server to um, augment your learning. Um, so I, I'm just going to break down some of the categories of stuff that I saw, and then, uh, you know, Jim, feel free to jump in uh, wherever. Hey, um, before you dive in, Christian, how is Vegas? I mean, it's, that, that is, I mean, it's kind of nice to go in the winter, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so Vegas was hot. It was 106 when we were there dead heat. Um, I mean, we were indoors a lot of it. Uh, I mean, we ventured out mo more in the evenings, just because that's when it was more comfortable to be out there. Uh, Vegas was very crowded, very busy. 
a lot of fun stuff to do. I mean, we went to the Gordon Ramsay Steakhouse and had the premium $100 steak and, you know, had that type of experience. Went to Circus Soleil. So, I mean, we did some of the very traditional Vegas-esque type things uh, without getting in trouble, so to speak. Um, and we had a good time, um, and it augmented kind of the conference. Conference is very fun. It's not one of these, um, you know, I think, some people think like, oh, I'm going to a conference for work and, you know, they're asleep, their head's on the desk, you know, 30 minutes in and their company's paying to be out there. It's not really like that here. People are much more relaxed. It's a very kind of, you know, it really is the definition of, I call it the underground conference because it's just, it's not one of your traditional corporate or enterprise type conferences. It's, there's no registration, none of that. You hand them $240 in cold cash at the door. They have no idea who you are. You have no idea who they are, and you go to a conference for three days. And so, I, it, I love that. And, and you said you mentioned this something before you went. Like, you got to be careful that you, with your phone and some of those yeah. things, right? Because there's, it's. I mean, it's a premium space to get hacked, so to speak. Is it really dangerous from that standpoint, or is it just kind of a an expectation of being at the conference? I mean, it, I guess it just depends on if you're an unfortunate soul or not. There's plenty of people who have gone to that conference and have found their credit cards to have uh, bad transactions on them. Um, folks, I, I only brought my cell phone. Uh, rule number one, keep it off any wireless networks, period. Um, I didn't bring laptops or anything like that. There's plenty of prior cases, um, YouTube or otherwise, you can find these things, um, of conference attendees who got trolled by fellow hackers to say, ha-ha, I got you. Usually no malicious intent. It's more of just a, I'm doing it so that I can prove a point. Um, but, you know, at that point, if, if you're one of the unlucky victims, I don't think you really care whether or not it was to prove a point. You're like, ah, i got to get this cleaned up. So, yeah. um, Well, I just I found that, you know, you get a bunch of hackers together and then everybody wants to be the smart guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, good. All right, dig into the, dig into the conference a little bit. Yeah, so a uh, good point that you brought up about um, wanting to be the smart guy because at this type of conference, it's not necessarily about I'm a security wizard. It's about do you think outside of the box? Are you a creative thinker? Are you coming up with things that people wouldn't see? Um, an example of this is uh, I kind of call him the, the modern-day uh, MacGyver. He calls himself the, the jittery uh, MacGyver. Uh, but one of the conferences at DEF CON... Uh, or I'm sorry, one of the talks was uh, this individual, I think his name is Evan Glenn, I need to double check that name, but he essentially is kind of the modern day Tony Stark of MacGyverism, which he's not really a, uh, he's, he, the whole talk had nothing to do with hacking a computer, right? He's showing that you can put together a bunch of ordinary stuff and build really cool stuff, and it really, you know, DEF CON sometimes accepts presentations um, that are not purely about hacking. They're about being a creative thinker. And so, you know, when this guy started the presentation, the way he baited everyone was by talking about the cool thing, the cool incendiary and explosive devices you can build after you get through airport security using only things that are found at stores once you're through airport security. Um, and so he shows a bunch of different stuff like this. But the actual crux of the presentation, which it took 50 minutes to get to, and by, by this point, he was such an excellent uh, speaker and uh, entertainer that folks were just all amped up waiting for it. His final 
uh, full project, and I'll drop the video in the show notes as well, was he took a Keurig machine, literally a Keurig machine, what makes your morning coffee, and turned it into a robotic prosthetic arm. And not a crappy looking one either, using only parts that were from the Keurig. He didn't add or remove anything else. He literally took a Keurig and transformed it into a robotic arm. All the fingers can move. You can put it on. I mean, just incredible. Um, there's a time-lapse video that he made it. Um, he calls it the bionic hand uh, made from a Keurig coffee maker, and the, the, the whole th project is codenamed Hedberg. So he named the arm Hedberg for whatever reason is unbeknownst to me. Um, but it was just a really, it was one of the best presentations. Had nothing to do with hacking, had nothing to do with security. Um, but one of these really kind of out of the box thinkers that just made the conference really fun, really exciting. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the types of stuff that's at DEF CON, it's a pretty big, um, it's a pretty big swath of the types of talks that are there, right? You've got network security talks where it's like this IP is getting attacked by this IP. You have reverse engineering talks where we're talking about uh, reverse engineering some binaries and maybe getting some things to fall out of it. Um, there's a lot of like, um, I call them the practical hacks, you know, the practical trolls, one of them being uh, some highlights there. We had a talk on how to reprint your boarding pass for airlines to have all the extra perks in it. So essentially your airport boarding pass is really nothing more than an encoding and a barcode that is not encrypted, right? There's a difference between encoding and encryption. And so when these barcodes are generated, it's really just encoding things like your name, your boarding ID, all these kinds of stuff. And so they show how to you know, decode that, add in the little signatures that give you, you know, first class and priority boarding, etc., and then walk into the airport, get through absolutely fine, and get your first class coach uh, ride for, for fun and for profit. And so, um, uh, let me just make the broad blanket disclaimer. None of the things I talk about on this podcast are an endorsement or a recommendation to try at home. Um, but, you know, and that's how it is for most of the stuff at uh, DEF CON. Yeah, I think, I think uh, folks have to understand that, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, you got to keep in mind a lot of the folks who do this do this because they can and because they're trying to prove a point and that it's possible, not so much that they're actively out there doing these kinds of things. Well, isn't Christian? Isn't this how some things get fixed too? When Absolutely. We, when we exploit it or when it's exploited, I should say, then you you get you know people are like, oh, we should yeah, we should probably pay attention to this thing now. Yeah, and, and this it is, changes things, right? Yeah, this is something that's really kind of become popular in the last couple of years. Uh, there's a company called HackerOne that there's like over 600 vetted companies that HackerOne's kind of like the gatekeeper, the broker, so to speak, where any ethical hacker can go and sign up on HackerOne and basically get an I-9 and, and fill out and compete for these bounties where it's like you can openly hack Google or Yahoo or wherever, um, and if you get a disclosure and you follow their rules, then you can get big payouts uh, for vulnerabilities that you find and disclose. And people do this for like professional living. So white hat ethical hackers are spending career time on Hacker One, uh, adding up these vulnerabilities over the year and making themselves a salary. Um, and so when the uh, there was a hack the Pentagon challenge that came out last year that was done through Hacker One, so I mean even the government is at the point of taking advantage of kind of white hat hacking. A lot of that is reflected in DEF CON. So a lot of the stuff that you're seeing presented may have been 
a prior disclosure privately before going to the conference or that kind of thing. I don't actually know what the percentage is. I, I would honestly imagine, though, there are some that aren't. There are probably some first-time disclosures at the conference that either make people uncomfortable or it's not necessarily a disclosure so much as a general technique. Um, and so... You know, that's kind of what you have to keep in mind. But DEF CON does a great job of vetting their talks and their speakers and kind of making sure that it follows their code of ethics. Believe it or not, the DEF CON conference does have a code of ethics. Um, not many conferences need that, but ours does. Um, and so that was a pretty uh, interesting aspect of the conference. Um, so, you know, you have stuff like that. You have other practical stuff like hacking hotel point-of-sale systems. Um, of course, unfortunately, the day after that talk was given, there were reminder announcements for participants not to be trying these things at the current hotel that the conference was being hosted in. Um, smartly <laughs> enough, the, the hotel was smart enough to pay for, like, really, really good security monitoring before hosting DEF CON because they just didn't want that chance to be taken. Um, and so DEF CON has traditionally always had a really good reputation with hotels in the area because it's usually uh, hosted at different hotels in Vegas every year. So they kind of have to keep uh, track of uh, having good relationships. And, and so they build... Uh, DEF CON will actually build a lot of infrastructure on site so that if folks want to test stuff out in like a playground or sandbox environment, um, they can go ahead and do that. And so um, that's that's a pretty cool um, capability, which kind of reminds me of... So one point, and then I'll take some questions uh, coming up in chat. Um, one is there is a challenge that DARPA sponsors that runs the finals for it run during the DEF CON conference, kind of. Um, and it's called the DARPA Cyber Grand Challenge. And essentially, it's a lot of uh, big teams from academia, companies, etc. And they're trying to build basically, um, we'll just call them smart computers. And the, the challenge is to be able to um, hack other binaries by automatically by making them crash, making them crash at specific execution points, and then at those execution points, injecting and successfully carrying out exploits. And so what they have to do is they have to build these very sophisticated um, algorithms that scan through binaries, and it's, it really amounts to coming up with a very complex fuzzer. And what a fuzzer usually is in, in computer programming, when you have a test team getting ready to test something that's going to be deployed, they do a fuzz test where they put a bunch of randomized inputs into every possible input into the program to try and make it break. So at the very core principle, that's what this competition is. You're building a very sophisticated fuzzer that is literally trying every single combination possible on a program auto in an automated way to figure out where weak points are and to make exploits. And so they had the final seven teams in the DARPA Grand Challenge compete for this. And the person, the team that placed third was from UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. They had a team of uh, a couple of high school students, undergraduates, graduates, and one or two professors, and they kicked butt. They got third place. And this is actually big money. I think the third place prize was like almost a million dollars. Um, and so, and they get this, this kind of money staged as they progress. And so, um, so they might have won multiple, you know, 750K winnings there. But um, 
essentially they presented their kind of after-action report of how they went about building the system and putting it together. Um, but, you know, that's another really good example of uh, they have a lot of this stuff that's like systems hacking other systems in automated ways and, and teams that are competitively competing against each other. So there's a lot going on at DEF CON besides the conference, which I didn't really realize as much when I hadn't been there and I was just looking at the talks. Um, and it's very different from what you see in other conferences. So they have like huge store, they have a marketplace, they have these, um, they call them uh, villages. And so you can walk through the village and they are different themed villages. So it's a lot more than just the conferences and the talks, which is, I think, a unique aspect of DEF CON. Sure, you see that at other places, but like not as much, right? If you're going to a, you know, a computer conference for, I don't know, cloud or any of that kind of stuff, it's very more, here's how to do this, here's where this is going, here's, you know, or if you go to Apple conference or any of that, it's a lot of, like, more news-based items. This is a lot more, like, you can do hands-on, you can sit through talks, you can meet, it's a very interactive space. Um, and so that's another cool aspect of DEF CON that uh, I appreciated as being someone who's going there. You know, if there's so much to do, you don't have time to do it all, right? So there's, there's at any given time four different tracks. So there's four talks running in parallel throughout the three days of the conference. So you have to pick and choose which ones you're going to go to based on your interests. And on top of that, if you're getting tired of the talks, you can take a break, go to the village, go to do an event, etc. So um, in that way, you're, you should never be bored going at DEF CON. They just have a lot going on. Uh, if you're into this space of technologies, it's very interesting. Um, out did, in... Ch did, yeah. Christian, so, can, when, the, when they have these competitions going on, I'm assuming that's happening in real time, or is, is that... And then can you, can you participate, not in the, the work, but can you participate in that in some way where it's an educational thing for you? How does that work? Because that seems really weird to me. Yeah, I didn't really get as much exposure into that. I got, you know, I sat through the after action, here's what happened. But, you know, by the time you get to DEF CON, it's the final seven teams. Yeah. And I think you can, I think there's ways to watch the competition as it's happening because DARPA hosts a live stream for it. And so you can actually be on the floor where they're actively sitting there, you know, working with the machines, trying to keep them running, that kind of thing. Um, it's the same thing with, I think in the past they've done uh, blue team, red team, like capture the flag type stuff. So you can go and watch those competitions, and the benefit of that is learning, like if you don't know what you're doing, there's one of two ways. I kind of recommend the hands-on approach. Go and suck and just don't care if anyone says you're a total troll and noob. Just go and figure it out and learn. Um, but you can also go there and just watch on the floor and see how these teams are working. It's a lot harder to kind of see what the heck is going on if you're not at a keyboard. Um, but there's a lot of kind of excitement and, uh, you know, cool stuff that comes out of that. So yeah. um, from much, that... Much networking for you? I mean, did you get an opportunity to meet some people that you wouldn't have gotten to meet there? Or sure. is there some celebrity stuff that, you know, in, in the hacking community? Yeah, I mean, there's some definitely, there are some big names that go to this conference. A lot of folks go anonymously as well. I mean, so it's like all walks of life are there. Um, so, I mean, I, I talked to a bunch of people who never gave me my name. I never gave them mine, but we were sharing and exchanging ideas, and it was a good time. Uh, but there are some celebrities there in, the, in that community. One that comes to mind is Nate Cohen. 
uh, I think Cohen is last name. Apologies if it's not. Um, he is the lead attorney for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and they've been kind of known in a lot of big cases involving privacy, encryption, digital rights, stuff that matters to these guys like a huge deal. I mean, I was amazed to see how many people at this conference, like, they, they idol and worship the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And so um, those types of people are there. They've been known to help formal DEF CON speakers with getting the right legal stuff in place to do their disclosures and all that stuff. So um, those kind of people are there. There are some uh, interesting folks from academia will come out to this. So um, one of the talks was on, like, the state of, uh, privacy in the internet dream essentially and uh, the person who spoke was a director from the civil liberties group at Stanford University which obviously isn't too shabby of a computer science institution um, so I mean there are some interesting folks there um, it's really on you as the participant to like go and engage but most people are gonna love to sit down chat talk about it, especially the presenters super approachable people I mean not very uh, elusive or hard to get a hold of. Almost all the talks I went to, they would provide the uh, their contact information, and you can get their talks online. So, you know, there were actually several things that I saw that intrigued me and interest me in research that I'm working that I thought, gee, it might not be a bad idea to, uh, you know, go ahead and contact these folks and and just ask some follow up questions that might be useful to me. Um, and so. There's definitely opportunities to be collaborative in this uh, conference, and um, that's also, I wouldn't say it's unique, but I, it, it's more uh, surprising to me that it works so well in this kind of community, just because it's such a diverse group of people who attend this conference. Cool. So, um, cool. out in chat, uh, we have a question about uh, what was the scariest hack I saw. Um, there are a lot of them out there. Probably the scariest one I saw. Um, let's think. Gosh, um, I mean, there were there were a couple. So uh, let's let's pull up the list. But the previous ones that I saw about, you know, there's like the practical kind of stuff where um, it's stuff that like you were like, oh, like I could see myself doing that. And then there's other stuff where it's like, you know, if you're not part of the uh, community, uh, you're kind of looking at it like what? Um, but Real quick, a couple other things. There was a CTF this year, and I didn't get to go to it, and, and there was also the Cyber Grand Challenge because I'm just seeing the files posted on their uh, media server. And it also looks like they they have a directory for audio. It hasn't gone up yet, but I'm guessing that that means talks are coming up soon, um, so you can kind of watch uh, for all that. Um, there was some really cool stuff. Um, hacks, again, is a relative phrase when you're talking about this stuff. So I'll give a good example. Um, something that is a big hack in my opinion, but you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a hack, is there's a talk on, they built this software that essentially allows you to take advantage of pre-compiled and built libraries and use libraries as executables, which to try and break that down, so like in Unix or in really anything in Windows, we'll just we'll talk about Windows because most folks should get that pretty easy. Um, Windows has you know .exe and .dll, right? Exes are the executables running your applications. Dlls are like these files that if you don't have them, your exes don't work, right? That's what the average guy understands. What that really means is you know the dll is dynamic linked library. So when the executable 
is running a particular function that is making your program do what it's supposed to do, it has to call to that dynamic link library and get the particular function, bring it back, etc., etc. Um, what this guy basically showed uh, how to do was he came up with a very crafty way of regardless of what the uh, DLL is compiled for regardless of like what target platform or, or whatever he's able to take that dynamic link library use it ex as an executable and and call functions directly from foreign executables which in the way he's doing it with the architecture and I'm not explaining it well in the podcast I mean I have to get through the notes and really kind of walk through why this is significant um, so I will put it in the show notes too because it's one of those things where you got to read it before it really sinks in but basically what he was showing is he can write x86 assembly or basically native C that will decompile the C program that is that has access to these DLLs and you can make function calls directly to these other libraries so the example is the, the why this is useful is if you are someone who's trying to figure out how to crack a software program or you know make a targeted attack you want to be able to uh, replay and mimic behavior and understand how the functions are working and maybe patch the behavior so that it does different things. So and they're really like and it's kind of mind-numbing because you're watching the conference and at first it's not really exciting. You're like, oh great, he printed out a function. And then you sink in and you're like, oh shit, he shouldn't have been able to print out that function at all. Um, and so uh, the the example he used was with uh, I think VS FTPD, which is very secure file transfer. It's basically an FTP server for Linux, and he showed how he kind of used the platform compiler that he created to disassemble the FTP software and called the version function that literally just prints out the version string of like VS FTPD three four seven blah blah blah, and then he showed how to do the same thing with BSD. So like he downloaded a BSD version of the executable and he made it work in a Linux environment. That should never be able to work. Um, but he really did some really, I call it, I think the, I think the tool is actually something, I know the word witchcraft was in it, I think, but it really was witchcraft. I mean, it was just, you're, you're, you're sitting here and you're like, this breaks conventional wisdom. And so that's the type of thing where it's scary in the sense that you're like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing, there's, there's no like, big rush of like, oh crap, shut it down, shut it down, this is going to be a problem. But this is opening up whole new worlds of future capabilities of, of hacking and exploit. So that's the kind of like, it, it depends what you're looking for in terms of what's the most scariest hack. A lot of people look for a scary hack in terms of like, is this going to affect me yesterday type thing. Um, and, I, you know, there were some of, some of those types of things. Um, and but again, there there's also much more tool based. So another guy wrote a um, these are like a dime a dozen. You can almost get always at least one or two of these presentations um, at DefCon. The guy basically showed how to create your own custom JRE where you can basically, as a hacker, if you've already rooted a box and you're you're doing it stealthily, right? So you know, an enterprise has a box that's running a Java application, you've managed to break into it. How can you slip in a slightly modified Java runtime environment that makes their app do things it should not be doing? Um, I mean, those are the types of things that are scary in the sense that they're very subtle, but they're also like, you can reasonably be like, yes, this happens all the time. It's kind of 
uh, not as scary. It's a new advancement into the field, but it's not um, it's not so much like a average guy. I'm scared about this. If you want the average guy, I'm scared about this. There is a lot of uh, truck and car hacking. There is a lot of airline hacking. There is a lot of how to get your cell phone on rogue towers and get all your calls, you know, sucked away. I mean, there was a lot of that kind of stuff too. But again, there's a lot of different paths that you can go down uh, in the conference. Do you think, Christian? So for the, you know, we we talk black hat and white hat, right? Or is that the right terminology? Yeah. For the, yeah, that's good, good enough. Sure. Um, it for these kinds of conferences, if you're in this business for good. I would imagine it's helpful as well to know what's coming, right? I mean, so you see these exploits, you you begin to think, I got to think your mind's tur- turning a little bit like, oh boy, <laughs> okay, now that I'm seeing this, there may be some things I need to think about when we're thinking about defense or when we're thinking about limiting that target area. Yeah. You know, what, did you have any, do you have any thoughts like that when you were out there? Like, oh, I learned something new, I should probably pay more attention in this in this space? Yeah, so uh, one of them, which is applicable to campus research I've been working on, uh, was a group from Clarkson University. So believe it or not, uh, most of the folks there were not academic, like academia at all. So when you do get that one academia conversation, a bunch of people strangely flock to these talks because you get the very rigorous detail and people just gob that stuff up. Um, and they were, I mean, almost impossible to get a question out during the, the post-talk, but um, they did a talk on um, common network attacks that we're seeing in Layer 2. So n- we're talking about uh, network protocols. You have the Aussie model, seven layers of networking. At Layer 2, this is where we're talking about, like, MAC addresses, the ARP system. Um, it's it's the layer before you have an actual IP address where your device is on a physical layer, it's broadcasting a physical address, and it's trying to communicate with the network to get its own IP address to do higher level communication. And they showed a lot of different techniques for doing things like ARP poisoning, where you spoof who is what physical address, you can redirect, do DNS attacks, this kind of thing. Um, those are types of things that for me as a researcher and doing network engineering... I'm more consciously thinking about, oh, interesting. They, you know, like, for example, in this talk, they show a uh, table card of which switches are vulnerable to this type of Layer 2 attack. And you would think, oh, I'm going to go with the Cisco's and the Junipers because these are the big enterprise-grade, you know, switches that we're paying tens of thousands of dollars for for great, beefy security. And they were oftentimes the ones that were most vulnerable to some of these attacks. And so... um, those things kind of made me more actively think about, oh, yeah, like, hmm, probably need to give this a little more thought. Uh, there's other stuff about, like, how do you inject malicious keystrokes into a wireless mouse or keyboard? And you might be think- sitting there thinking, like, oh, you know, it's never really going to be the case that, you know, I'm not worried about uh, someone in my household taking advantage of my Bluetooth because they'd have to be hacking right in front of me in my living room and, you know, I don't think anyone else in my family can hack, so I'm not too worried about that. But, you know, maybe you're a hotel and you've put wireless mouse and keyboards in these thin clients in the hotel lobby and maybe someone can be sitting in the lobby picking up those Bluetooths and taking advantage of those computers behind the, the hotel desk. So, like, it's really one of those things where you have to match the vulnerabilities and the talks to the environments in which you work in. Um, when we talk about like the type of stuff that impacts the home environment, you don't see as much. 
when you talk about stuff that's like commercial, point of sale systems, the air, the flight you're about to get on, um, the purchase you're about to make, that stuff is much more. I think it's it's there. Um, has that has that amped up? I mean, it seemed like the home was under attack for a long time, and it still is. But but this kind of commercial grade hacking, where they're going after the big money as opposed to me, you know. Fine, you know, pay my credit card debt, you know, <laughs> yeah, that kind of deal, right? You know, um, if you can get in, pay the bills while you're there. But it seems like, are we seeing a ramping up or a a, a doubling down of effort to go after the enterprise, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where because it's so widespread, it's it's the same reason, it's the same folklore as why people think Macs never have viruses, right? Because for years, Windows was and, and is still so much more readily used in the home marketplace. That's where hackers are going to spend their time writing stuff because that's the, you know, the biggest, um, you know, amount of systems they can take down using one technique. Um, it's kind of the same thing in the enterprise we're seeing now where it's like, you know, if, if you're a company and you want to have really good networking, you're going to go out and buy some fancy Cisco switches and everyone's just going to go and do that. So what are the attackers going to spend their time doing? Writing great vulnerabilities for Cisco switches. So um, it's really one of those things where I think the, the opportunity reward has become more valuable in enterprise than it has. I think with home users becoming so much more mobile device and that kind of thing, there's a limit to what you can get. And, and it's really the difference between are you going for small-scale hacking or large-scale hacking? You know, small-scale hacking, it might be you compromise someone's bank account or credit card or you compromise one particular device and you exfiltrate passwords or you're targeting someone specifically. You know, that's different from... Uh, I wrote this vulnerability for a Cisco switch, and now it's running on uh, 50 Fortune 100 companies in the United States. I mean, that's that's alarm bells, right? So when you, that's really, I think, where the the shift in the hacker culture and the hacker community is happening is that you're seeing a lot of um, very frequent attempts for people to go after those types of vulnerabilities based on, uh, you know, what is the opportunity reward. And I think that's different based on, are you a cyber criminal? Are you a white hat hacker? You know, if you're a white hat hacker, you're looking for a reputable business to hire you to be paid. You're doing very specific targeting. If you're a black hat hacker and you're doing it illegally, you're looking for where's the biggest reward and what markets are am I currently interested in? And that just changes as, as, as the technologies evolve and as the types of data. Um, so, you know, it, it's... I, I hate answering questions with, it depends, Jim, but it's one of those questions where it kind of depends on where the interest lies. But one of the big things you see in DEFCON is it's not so much about... I always say it's it's not so much about the end destination, it's about the techniques used to get to that destination. At DEF CON, you're really seeing what are the techniques and some of the overarching themes that allow you to then, you know, as an individual, good or bad, go wherever you're going to go with, with using those capabilities. Do, do you think, do you see law enforcement being a part of that discussion in from a sense of, from a preventative measure standpoint, are they represented there? Yeah, I mean, law enforcement actually... Uh, plays a role in the type of um, conversations you see at DEF CON. So, um, I mean, this year slash last year, a lot of conversations happened in, 
public surrounding uh, how people felt about the FBI getting into the phone of the San Bernardino uh, shooter mm -hmm. and whether or not they should be able to subvert encryption or whether or not they should have a backdoor or, you know, what was all that? And so a big uh, tug of war between... Um, technology firms, the American public, the government, etc., all with very different viewpoints. Um, from a, uh, so from a DEF CON perspective, there were actually presentations on that very evolution of that particular issue with kind of in-depth details from both a technical perspective, a political, you know, and a legal standpoint. Um, you know, so from that standpoint, uh, law enforcement is, quote, represented, um, and it's not it's more it's more of the fact that there are touch points from what you see in in law and government I wouldn't necessarily say the conference focuses or emphasizes on it but there are a lot of people who are very vocal about those issues at this conference and so they're popular topics yeah I would imagine I would imagine they are and uh, you know I'd imagine there's some you know the because people can remain anonymous there, so to speak, right? That's honored from that right. standpoint. Not big badges. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no kind of badge going on. You never yeah. know, right? You yeah. never know who's represented you, from where. Right, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that is unique about this conference that I really like is there's no, there's no hello, my name is name tag at the door, right? Everyone is literally just wearing a DEF CON badge. It has nothing, you know, they're all electronic badges, right? Which is another really cool thing. Um... Part of the reason why the conference fee is $240 instead of $200 is because $40 goes into building these really fancy electronic badges that have custom firmware on them, and they light up and do different things, and there's a secret challenge on the badge. And if you're one of, like, if you're one or two out of the tens of thousands of people who try this challenge every year and you crack it all the way, you get free uh, unlimited VIP access to all future DEF CON conferences, and only, like, one or two people actually end up getting it uh, every year. Um, but yeah, that's all you are. You're you're a shirt and a and a neutral badge. So um, anyone can go in there. Academia, government, personal, commercial. So it's an interesting melting pot because you get a lot of unique ideas and perspectives without people having to feel like they're representing or having to speak on behalf of or you know being correct to you know the people they answer to, so to speak. So in that in that way, this conference is very unique because most of the other computer conferences or, or wherever you're going, conferences in general, you're putting your name down, you're representing this person, and, you know, it's it's very different environment. Do you think, um, will this be, will you go back? I mean, is this something you go back to or you try to go back to every year or every yeah. couple years or how's that going to work? Yeah, I mean, this is actually something that I might look to um, submit a paper for and try and get accepted to go out and speak as a presenter. Uh, that's a, I would, I wouldn't say it's the biggest deal in the world, but it's a pretty nice feather in your cap if you have a paper accepted to DefCon and you gave a presentation. Um, it's something I would like to do, um, and if and if I do get accepted, great. If not, I'll probably go back to this every few years at least, just to kind of stay involved in it. It's a really fun experience just outside of the technology. I mean. I know everyone, you know, it's a, Vegas is a very love or hate kind of scene, and so you're either into it or you're not. Um, but there's a lot of great ways to have a really good time in and outside of the conference, um, regardless of how you feel about Vegas. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a good time, and we enjoyed it either way. Uh, and so I think that's 
Um, they've done a really great job of maintaining kind of the culture and reputation of the conference over 24 conferences. So this is a 24th year going. Uh, that's no small feat. So no, it's it's a big deal to run one of those conferences. We have just been thinking about doing a Midwest kind of meetup group here in the Omaha area and get some things going. I've run larger user groups in the city. It's a lot of work. I mean, and how many how many total in attendance? Uh, I'd set somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand. Okay, so it's it's a big deal, and and uh, Vegas makes that easy, but it's still a big deal to yeah. get that run. Anything else from the conference you wanna you wanna highlight? Um, no, I mean I think those are some big things. Um, there again, there were a lot of other areas that I could talk about hours, but we could make shows out of these things and deep dive into them. Um, so also, if you have feedback for you know topics, if you if you go through the uh, media.defcon.org and you want a particular talk expanded as like a formal podcast, I'm happy to do that. I can speak to most of the stuff that's on here. Uh, reverse engineering, network security, um, mobile gadgets, um, cars, airplanes, Bluetooth, radios, cell phones. I mean, you name it, there's a vulnerability somewhere in here that they talk about. Um, and, you know, there's cute stuff, too, that you tend that is stuff for me that came up years ago. So, for example, uh, and this is something that will be a touch point for the home server uh, community, which I, I laugh. Back when home server, like, first came out and people were all obsessed with checking their event viewer for errors when they were trying to diagnose stuff, there's always there are always threads, and you can still go out and find them online about what the hell are all these S channel errors, and you would see S channel, S channel, S channel, red, 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 red. No one could ever figure it out. And um, at one of the presentations at this conference was a guy who did a deep dive into what is S channel, how is it implemented, what are some of the weaknesses, you know, and it's Microsoft's implementation of SSL and TLS essentially for you know communicating encryption and uh, doing secure cryptography between network devices. Um, but that was something that, you know, as a kid growing up, that was like the big question mystery mark around that community. Everyone wanted to know how, wh why S-Channel did the weird things that it did. And here's this talk at DEF CON, you know, six years, years later, later. Yeah, yeah, that that had uh, some really in-depth analysis about what is this beast known as S-Channel. Uh, so just that kind of stuff, really cool. Uh, well, if if you've got those ideas and you're going through the material from DEF CON, you want Christian to talk about it, send us an email yeah. at theaverageguy.tv. We'll, we'll bounce that around and try and get it. Christian, let's uh, let's change gears a little bit. Let's, what does your year look like for you? We're, we mentioned it in the first part of the show. You're in your final year for those who've – we have a lot of listeners, Christian, that have been with this show from the beginning, not just Cyber Frontiers, but – Listen to home tech from the very beginning. Yeah. I still hear from them every once in a while. They'll they'll send an email to me and say, "Hey, by the way, I've been listening since the very beginning. Tons of faithful listeners." So uh, it's good to catch up with you from that standpoint. What does the year look like? Uh, your senior year? Absolutely. Um, so from a credit standpoint, I'm sitting pretty nice. So I'm spending a I'm doing a year long research fellowship, uh, which kind of will support me. Uh, academically, financially, the whole nine yards for my last year. And it's a year-long research project focused on uh, cybersecurity, uh, particularly in uh, machine learning and software-defined networks. And so um, I'm on the cusp, I think, of writing some uh, a couple papers this year that are going to hopefully be... Uh, 
I won't say groundbreaking, but very novel and very new approaches in um, some topics in security that are very hot right now. And so I'm basically going to be spending the year building and prototyping um, some of the hypotheses I've been developing and working on and uh, trying to get some papers out the door. And it'll really in many ways be like a... Um, It'll almost like being a grad student. Uh, I'll be doing. A, I have a teaching load this year. I have a, a research load. So I'm taking a lot. My class load is not, you know, first three years of school, very class heavy, very project heavy. This year is going to be much more about research, uh, teaching, and um, I'll still have some classes, obviously, um, but. Um, a lot more of them are kind of, I call it the night school. I mean, I'm uh, doing much more research during the day, classes in the evening, that kind of thing. Um, so it's going to be much more like being a first-year grad student than uh, a fourth-year undergrad. So it'll be an interesting experience. I'm actually really excited about it. But hoping to get some good publications out that will uh, shake up the dust in the uh, community a little bit and uh, hoping to submit those to conferences this year. Cool. And when you're famous, you'll still come on Cyber Frontiers. Absolutely. And, and we'll talk about the papers, too, because why not? <laughs> That'll be a ton of fun. It'll be fun to, to watch that happen. We'll try every three weeks or so, every three or four weeks, we'll try throughout the fall for our regular listeners. You know, it's taken us two years to get 31 of these things done. <laughs> Sadly. It's, it, well, it's just it's the nature of the beast, right? I mean, Home Gadget Geeks is an easy show to do every week. We can crank that out, no problem, right? But getting your time and getting these things done and just the scheduling and everything that's going on, you're working, you're working a ton. We're doing a ton of stuff at Gallup. There's um, there's a lot to do. So yeah, it's uh, it's just glad that uh, we can get done. Anything else we want to throw in before we kind of wrap this thing? No, no, I think that's a good wrap. Like I said, DEF CON is so hard to cover in one podcast. This is really just either an introductory or some high-level highlights from my experience there. There's a lot of directions we could go into in talking specific tech, so just uh, send us some feedback if we want to talk this further. Otherwise, next time we're on the show, it'll probably be something completely not about DEF CON. Yeah. Well, and if you've got specific topics that you want to talk about, if you want Christian to cover, let us know. That's That would be awesome, too, to just be able to funnel those in. In fact, the more of those we get, the more motivated Christian will be to actually make it on the show. He loves doing that kind of stuff. True story. So if you you don't want to see Cyber Frontiers drop off in the fall like we dropped off last spring, <laughs> eh, your your uh, your ideas would be great. So Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv, or you can send it right to Christian, Christian at TheAverageGuy.tv. And uh, the more of those we get, uh, the better off uh, that we are. So all right, it's good to Christian, it's... It's weird. It's like syllabus day, you know, when you that first day of class when you get all the yeah. syllabi, the, the, the syllabi, and you are uh, it's, you have hopes and dreams for the year. That's what it feels like right now because we're you know school is almost starting for you guys. It's kind of kicked off here in Nebraska. We got a lot of folks moving, and the interns have moved out uh, already here in Nebraska, and everybody's gone back to school. But there's these hopes and dreams, and then September comes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it all comes crashing down, right? As we as the uh, the realistic expectations of a semester begin and all the work that has to go into it. September's not as bad. October gets worse. November's really bad. And then, of course, finals coming up in December. So we have a lot before us. Uh, I've got a lot going on at Gallup with our interns coming up. It's We just got rid of them, and it's starting all over again. And uh, we're excited to get back on the trail. We'll be I'll be on the road quite a bit. In fact, coming to, going to see Christian here in a couple weeks. And uh, we'll be in the Maryland area, so lots going on around that as well. And we've got, of course, we had a great year with our with our tech interns and doing some fun stuff and some cool stuff. 
Good to see Ashton. He, uh, if you're a listener of uh, Cyber Frontiers, you know Ashton's been on here uh, a bunch of times. Ashton spent the summer with me. He did beat me in the B cycle challenge, by the way. Uh, two hundred and awesome, awesome. twenty-four miles to my two hundred some. So he smoked me from from that standpoint. But uh, good. Good indeed. Well, remind everyone to take advantage of our Amazon link. If you're out there shopping on Amazon, just use the averageguy.tv slash Amazon. And, of course, the network benefits from that. We're able to do things like upgrade equipment or buy review units or various things that we send out to, to folks to, to review, those kinds of things. Uh, you can start or just bookmark the averageguy.tv slash Amazon. Subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't done that yet. Um, and, and many of you haven't. Uh, we, we, we've got a whole bunch in the beginning and then it's kind of slowed down. If you haven't do that, we are updating every single week at least what's going on on Home Gadget Geeks. So if you want to stay abreast of what's going on with there, and I will try to bring in the Cyber Frontier schedule when we know it. Sometimes we just don't know it, but that might be a good opportunity uh, as we know things are being scheduled. You know, it's tough because we, we even moved this from last night to tonight just kind of based on Christian's schedule. But if you haven't signed up for it, head over to TheAverageGuy.tv slash newsletter and you can see all the ones that have come out so far except I always I always send that thing out and then I forget to post it in that section I'll do that here at the end of the show but uh, the average guy TV slash newsletter don't forget you can subscribe to everything video large video small audio all that stuff out at the average guy TV slash subscribe the average guy TV is powered by Maple Grove partners web hosting of course get secure reliable high speed hosting from Christian over there he's got some good stuff going on uh, plans uh, that are really WordPress just awesome for 10 bucks, 10, 10 bucks a month if you want to do it. MapleGrovePartners.com. Pretty quick setup. Christian, if someone wanted a site, how fast could you set it up for? Fast as they need it. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're moving uh, rapidly more towards... Um, I do some vetting and planning because part of our philosophy is that we want to individualize uh, your plan to make sure we have the right resources and do that. So we, you know, a lot of shared hosting plans, for example, they're going to stuff you on a server regardless of whether or not it actually has the right capacity to fit your needs. Um, we kind of still, there's a little bit of a manual process in vetting um, the order when it gets filled and filling it, um, but we're moving pretty, we're pretty much at a near automated way of doing it at this point. So very fast setup. Uh, I mean, you're, you're on our network uh, within 24 hours, um, and so uh, we can rush those based on what your requirements are. But, I mean, it's very fast. Uh, we work with our customers to... Um, Set, set up, transfer, customize their platform um, however they need it. Uh, we're very flexible, so it's not like, you know, if there's something that's a little bit off about the plan you're purchasing and you need a little bit different for you, uh, you write us an email and we get you set up. Uh, we're really kind of taking care of you guys as individuals and trying to build a community of podcasters, um, network enthusiasts, and people hosting applications, experienced and unexperienced, uh, just making a network of folks who need uh, some high-quality uh, platforms and resources, and we're here to provide that for you. So. Yeah. Good stuff. I appreciate you doing it. If you download this audio file, you downloaded it from Maple Grove Partners. So Christian hosts both what we do with uh, Home Gadget Geeks as well as Cyber Frontiers and the Home Tech Tips, which I haven't done uh, in a while, but all that is available out there. Uh, we are out here whenever we get here. And so you want to follow me on Twitter at Jay Collison. We do these sporadically. I wish we could say we do them regularly every week. We can't and we won't. Uh, at this point, so make sure you have subscribed to, to follow me on uh, 
especially on Twitter. But the best way to do it is just subscribe to this. Cyber Frontiers, get it downloaded on that. Player. If you enjoyed it, we'd encourage you to share it. Well, thank you for coming out. And uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Good night. <laughs>